listening to the Expository Word Podcast, where we are listening to classic recorded messages from Kimber Kaufman. Today, we are in a New Testament series from the book of James. Let's turn now to Kimber. Please take your Bible and turn to James chapter 3. We're in a verse-by-verse study. This is, in case you're new here, we, we go verse-by-verse through books of the Bible. That way, we can't have our own agenda. We've got to cover everything that's there. If I don't ever cover a verse, you say, why not? One day, who knows, one day, if God blesses us, we'll, wouldn't it be great to have all three services, everybody worshiping at once, multitudes, thousands of people worshiping and praising the Lord? I don't know if the Lord's going to give that to us. I hope He does. That's our plans. We'll see. We're keeping seeking His face on it. But one day, that will be. But it's exciting enough just the way it is here now, isn't it? I, I am so thankful. Look at the scriptures. Let's, let's read the scriptures we're going to study today. I meant to get through a whole bunch, and I only got through three so far today, so we'll finish those tonight. But James chapter 3 and verse 2, follow along as I read. We all stumble in many ways, and if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on hell, of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. From the time we were little kids, we heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the biggest bunch of crock there ever was. Who made that up? I'd like to know. All right? Probably that famous guy, Anonymous, you know? We are talking this morning about something that is of huge importance to your life. You've come to church, you've, hopefully you've worshipped, you've sung the songs, and now in the tradition that Christ Jesus and the prophets of old have said, it's now our time for someone to stand up and to proclaim the red scriptures. Well, I would say of all the days to learn what the scriptures are saying, this might be one of the most important in your whole life. If you could grab a hold and we could learn today and tonight what these verses are talking about, I'm telling you, your life will be different. I am telling you, your life will be different. It'll be much better. Or, if you decide to disobey this and go your own way, it can be terribly destructive. We need to listen carefully. This is of huge importance. The control of our tongue is master to the control of ourselves. 
if you want to change, really change. And I know many people at this church truly want to be Christ-like. If you say, I wish I were a better person, if it is the longing of your heart to say, oh, well, you know, I really want to live this one life that God has given me. I want to put, make the most of it. My friends, I want to tell you, if you can control your tongue, you can control anything. That's what it says in verse 2. Look at it. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. So number one, if you never stumble in what you say, you are mature. You've reached the limits. You're Christ-like. You've really got there. Secondly, if you can control your tongue, you can control any part of your body. Nothing. No other desire. No other sexual impulse. No other thing is nearly the trouble that the tongue is. That's what the Bible says. We can control our tongues. We can control anything. I want to work you systematically, quickly, through the Bible to get you to what James is saying. I want to show you the background. Look at what the Bible says. The tongue is the key factor in controlled living. Now watch. Jesus Christ our Lord said this. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Watch. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. You know what? Here's some real deep insight. You know why you said those curse words this week? You know why you tore your wife down or your husband down? You know why you've gossiped or slandered? You know why you've told that unwholesome story? Because you're bad. Because in your heart, it's bad. And what's in here, there's a direct line and it comes out here. It starts wagging right here. Alright? And what's here comes there. Look at out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. What comes up through the heart? It comes out. Now, you can fool some of the people all of the time. You can fool all of the people some of the time. But eventually, over the course of your life, those that live close to you, those that live around you, those of us that are your friends, I'm telling you, we know where you are because you tell us. You hang around Kim Kaufman for a while, and you will hear about fishing, especially deep sea fishing. You'll hear, hopefully, about the Word of God and Jesus Christ and me. Those are some of my favorite subjects. All right? But you know what? Those are in my heart. You talk to me, that's what's there. That's what I say. That's how it is for you too. Now watch this. The, here's the problem. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So this is what really leads to trouble. Is Since the tongue is the greatest thermostat of where our, our heart is like, since it is, the, it is the clearest indication of what's in here is our tongue, then we've got a little problem here. And that is that the heart is desperately wicked and beyond cure. Now, that's a real problem. Jesus goes on to teach this, then. Watch. There is something called coming into a born-again experience. There's something called becoming a Christian. It's when you realize you're a sinner, and you cry out for grace, and you know what happens? The Spirit of God comes into your life, and He gives you a new heart. And then when you're controlled by the Spirit of God, guess what? Guess what then starts to come? Change. Things like love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are those that belong to Jesus Christ. You see, that's what comes out. Not all at once, not instantaneously, but the first place the change can be most seen most of the time is the way the person speaks. Paul says, here's the arena, here's the, here's the, the, the depravity of the heart exits through the mouth. And here's proof of it. That's what he says. The mouth reveals the heart. And so when the heart is changed by the Spirit of God, what comes out of the mouth, it starts to change. A man that one day used to say, Jesus Christ this, 
blankety blank that he can't say that because now his heart is filled with love for Jesus Christ because he's been converted. I wish some of you would be converted. You need to be converted, you know. So let's go on in our thinking. I want to get you here. Watch this. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that's what makes him unclean. A lot of you like diets. A lot of you like all oh, eat right foods. People tell me all the time, someone, oh, we brought one of the doctors of our church down and spent three of our vacation days in Florida. I got up in the morning, he watched me as I downed a cold piece of pizza from the refrigerator, which is sort of standard operating procedure for Kim Coughlin. He says, Kim, I got to talk to you. You know, you got to start eating better. Well, I want to say back to you, doc. It's not what goes into your mouth that makes me unclean, all right? But what comes out of his mouth, that's what makes him unclean, all right? And I, I know your point. I take it. I, I, I take the rebuke. You know, I'm sort of fun in there. But um, listen, this is the point. It's what comes out that makes him unclean because his heart starts to get, is expressed through his mouth, and the mouth perverts everything. That's what he said. Now, one more thing. Look here. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thought, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. You see, the Pharisees were all concerned about some outward ceremony. Because look, guys, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out. Your heart's bad. That is why people say the sports hero after he's won Wimbledon or won the golf match or done the great football hero or they've got the Oscars or the Emmys and they say, well, just believe in yourself and go with your heart. That is opposite. That is anti-Bible. You believe in yourself and go with your heart and you're going to hurt all kinds of people and do all kinds of damage because, let me just show you once again, in case you didn't see it, the heart is deceitful of all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? All right. Now, as long as you really want to grow and change, James tells us something we may never have thought of. Okay? And that is, are you master of the master key? Are you master of the master key? The tongue is the central key factor into consistent Christian living. Listen now. Winning this battle is in itself winning the battle of all battles. If you can control your tongue, you won't worry about the diet. If you can control the tongue, you will be able to overcome lust. If you can control the tongue, other addictions will fall. And I want to encourage you, friends, at the end of your life, do we just have a few years? And while we're here on this earth, at the end of your life, you will never be sorry for those days that you looked across and told your kids or your spouse that you loved them. You'll never be sorry when you encourage someone and said, I really appreciate what you did. You'll never be sorry for saying thank you for using your gift for the glory of God. You'll never be sorry for going out of your way to build into someone's life and to t encourage them or to say, you know, I, I see a character flaw and I'm, I'm worse than you are, but let's help each other. You use your words to build, to edify, to help. You'll never be sorry. But my friends, you will be sorry for damnable things that came out of your mouth. 
You'll be sorry for the days that you cut people down and you slandered. You'll be sorry when you rejoice in that filthy story about some kind of unwholesome sexual situation. You'll be sorry when you gave yourself to the cursing and perverted words. You know why? Because every word you ever spoke, you have to give an account for, the Bible says. And I just want to encourage you as your pastor. Let's say, let's see what James says. Now, one scholar puts it like this to show you the importance of the tongue. Think of a switchboard in a church or on another large building. Each switch controls the lights in its own section of the church. And the person who controls the switch controls those lights. But on the board, there is also a master switch. It does not need any special strength to operate it. There is in no way in which anyone could say, if you are strong enough to operate that switch, then you're strong enough to operate any of them. The simple fact is that if you control the master switch, you control all the lights. You are Lord of the switchboard. It is in this sense that the person who controls the tongue is able to bridle the whole body also. Verse 2 of chapter 3. This is the great and not unreal boast the tongue can make. But should this surprise us quite so much? The tongue is so much more than what we actually say out loud. Now listen. In fact, actual speech is probably only a small percentage of the use of the tongue. We cannot think without formulating thoughts and words. We cannot plan without describing to ourselves step by step what we intend to do. We cannot imagine without painting a word picture before our inward eyes. We cannot write a letter or a book without talking it through our minds on the paper. We cannot resent without fueling the fires of resentment in words addressed to ourselves. We cannot feel sorry for ourselves without listening to the self-pitying voice which tells us how hard done we are by. But if our tongue were so well under control that it refused, if our tongue were so well under control that we refused to formulate the words of self-pity, the images of lustfulness, the thoughts of anger and resentment, then these things are cut down before they have a chance to live. The master switch has deprived them of any power to switch on that side of our lives. It is this way that if anyone makes no mistake in what he says, he's a perfect man. The control of the tongue is more than an evidence of spiritual maturity. It is the means to it. James is going to say, listen, this is about living the Christian life. You've got to control your tongue. Now he gives us some illustrations as to the power of the tongue. And it's going to go like this. Your tongue is little, but it can do great things. Now look, at, I'm six five and a half, about 225 right now as I stand before you. There's many doctors here, so, but look at, look at this. This is sort of gross, but look up here if you can see. Can you see my tongue? I can't even stick it out very far, but there it is. If you cut that out, what is that, four or five ounces? I mean, it's just a little four or five ounce thing. You cut that out, I still weigh 225, all right? I'm still six, five and a half. It's a very little thing. But James' point is this. This very little thing is of huge importance. Illustration number one, consider bridling a horse. Look at verse three. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, I talked to a veterinarian in our church, and I said, could you help me understand this? And she said, be glad to, Pastor. So she gave me some bits that go in horses' mouths. And here's one right here. She says, this bit, as you can see it, this bit is for a gentle horse, a horse that pays attention, that wants basically is submissive and wants to do your will, and it doesn't hurt too much. And you stick it in the mouth, and, and then you can control it. 
They say, you see, the reason for the bit is you put the bits in the mouth of horses and they are different depending on the ferociousness of the horse or the, the whatever you want, the, the, the badness of the horse or whatever, and to control it. Do you know what the bit will do? The bit is, will touch the horse's mouth in about five different places. And it will pull, and actually what you want it to do if you really want to break a big horse that weighs... 1,500 pounds, you actually want it to cut into its gums initially and really hurt the horse because then you've got his attention. And you can take a little 90-year-old 90 90 or a 90-pound woman and put her on the back of a 1,500-pound horse. And if this bridle has been done and they've done the things the way it is, she can nudge it to the left and that 1,500-pound horse goes left. Nudge it to the right, it goes right. Stop it, go forward, do everything just by this. Now, if you've got a little bit tougher horse, you get something like this. And if you just look real carefully, this is a lot bigger and that digs in more, all right? And this is just a quick illustration. If you've got a really bad dude horse, you get one of these things, all right? And this is a chain, and this really cuts in deep, all right? But look at the point is, it's just a little thing. I'm holding this up with my thumb. And that's, this is the biggest of them. They don't even do much. Here's a great big thousand pound, 15 or sometimes bigger than that horse. And you can turn the whole horse any way you want to just by that little thing. That's illustration one. Now, illustration number two. Look about ships. James must have loved. He probably went to the Mediterranean and saw some of these ships. Paul, for instance, you know, was on a ship in which there were 276 passengers in the book of Acts. That's big. Putting 276 people on a boat and going across, that's a, that's a lot, that's a big boat. There's other boats of that day that they say that had enough grain and supplies on them, they could take them to a small country and feed the entire country that had had a famine for a whole year. Maybe feel, feed hundreds of thousands of people for a whole year. One ship could carry all of that grain. And notice, what James' logic is, look at verse 4. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, James has two things he wants you to think about. Here's this big, huge ship. Holds all kinds of people. It's got these huge, big poles with these masts, these sails on them, and the winds. And then he's talking about the strong winds. The strong winds blows with all the power of the wind, blows against that. And here's this huge ship, all of these people, all of these grains, all of these animals, these big masks in the air. Here's all of that power from the winds, and there's one man with a little rudder just underneath the boat that's very small in comparison to all of that, and if he wants to go left, he goes left. If he wants to go right, he goes right. If he wants to turn here, he turns there. Everything is directed by a little tiny rudder. Now look at verse 5. It says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. The tongue says the big stuff. It's just a little thing. And it says these great big braggadocio things. I find myself, when I'm around people I, who I'm starting to get to know, I, I, I find myself how quickly I want to impress them with things I've done. Tell them who I know, what I've done. Do you, you know, it's, it's, we are so quickly to make the great boasts. I, I think about this. Um, people have told me this. This has been very, very discouraging. People about three or four times a year, they say, you know, you look exactly like Adolf Hitler sometimes. You know? <laughs> And I say, I do not, I resent that, you know. But, 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 uh, 
think about this. What did Hitler do? Hitler stood up, and you've seen all of the films. He stood up there, and he had, it was his tongue. His tongue controlled, and millions of people died. There's what great boast it can make. What, a, what great influence the tongue can have. This little tongue coming from this man. It, it's so powerful. All right? That's the point. Ships are huge, but they are turned by this little rudder. Horses are big. The tongue is the same way. That's why it's so important that we must control it because it could potentially, it has the power to do bad. It can do so much bad. Look at verse 6. It says, oh, look at the last part of verse 5, actually. It says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, friends, we all know last summer you had to shut down interstates in Florida. People had to cancel their vacations. The, 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 the floods, I mean, the, 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 the fires in Florida were so bad. Thousands of people had to leave. Hundreds of homes were burned. With all of the helicopters and airplanes dropping water, with all of the latest technology that we could possibly use, we could not stop the forest fires in Florida. And guess how it started? Someone threw a cigarette butt out, or someone didn't put their campfire out. It started by one little match. Right now in California, there's a, there's a, a, a fire going on that they can't control. And they've got thousands of people working on it. And there's trees that took hundreds of years to grow that are just burnt down and there's nothing left. There's people out there spraying, trying to save their houses. You've seen the pictures on the news as people are trying to save their houses. Hundreds of homes, damages, all kinds of things can take place. Where did it start? A little tiny spark. And James says, look, the little rudder controls the horse and turns it around. Not the rudder, that's the bit, all right? The, 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 the little rudder controls the ship, and here's this big ship, and it goes wherever you want. And now, now think about this. That little tongue, think of the damage it can do. It can be like a little spark in a forest. It can do incredible damage. Consider what it can do, all right? Listen to this. On October 8th, 1871, at about 8.30 in the evening, a lantern in Miss O'Leary's barn was accidentally kicked over by her cow. A little lantern. It ignited the great Chicago fire. Before it could be contained, 17,500 buildings were destroyed. 300 people died. 125,000 others were left homeless. In 1903, a pan of rice boiled over onto a fire spreading coals across the room and started a blaze that eventually consumed a square mile of a Korean city, burning some 3,000 buildings to the ground. The tongue has enormous power. The tongue is like a fire, it says. Look at verse 6. It's like a fire. Morgan Blake He's a sports writer for the Atlantic Journal. And Morgan Blake writes this. I am more deadly than the screaming shell from the Hollitzer. I win without killing. I tear down homes, break hearts, and wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth, no respect for justice, no mercy for defenselessness. My victims are as numerous as the sands of the sea and often as innocent. I never forget 
and seldom forgive. My name is Gossip. There are brothers who came from the same seed of their father and the womb of their mother who hate each other because of words. There are friends that were one time loyal bosom buddies that cared about each other and shared intimacies that now don't talk for years because of the power of the tongue. There are neighbors that hate neighbors. There are nations against nations. It is incredible. Every once in a while, if I am extremely down, I don't know if it's Satan or what, but the fiery darts of things that people have said to me in the past will come back to haunt me. Do you ever have those tapes that play? Letters written about how bad somebody is and people have never talked to them. Do you know that there are few sins ever committed in which the tongue is not one of the primary principles involved? It is a fire. Look at verse 6. It is a fire. But you know what? It's worse than a fire. Because see, a fire does this. Watch this. It burns up the wood and then there's just ashes. But sin in gossip or in slander or in something like this, it just keeps going. It just keeps ruining lives. There are people that you don't like and you don't even know the people. But the only reason you don't like them is other people have prejudiced you against them and you've been the fool and only listened to one side of the story. This is wrong, friends. The tongue is so desperately bad. It is a fire. It's A fire can do so bad. The woman went to her pastor. Pastor, I feel so bad. What should I do? I've slandered into all these lies about these people and I've hurt them so desperately. What should I do? He says, go home and take a pillow and go out in your backyard and get your sharpest kitchen knife and slice it down the middle and shake it as hard as you can and let the feathers go all over the yard and come back and see me next week at the same time. She thought that was a little strange, but she respected her pastor, so she did it. She came back the next week, and he says, now go back home and get that pillow and pick up all those feathers and put them back in. And she goes, Pastor, I can't do that. Those feathers are blown all over creation, all over kingdom. There's no place. I can't do it. And he says, you cannot withdraw what you've said. That's the damage of the tongue. It is so bad. It comes down. Look, look, look at verse 6. The tongue is a fire. Now notice what it says. A world of evil among the parts of the body. Now, what James is going to do here, you've got to watch this carefully. Look here. He, the, the three enemies of the Christian, what are they? The world, the flesh, and the devil, right? All three are directly linked. I showed you earlier that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? But James is going to say this. Look at it. It is verse 6. A world of evil among the parts of the body. Now, he's talking about a world. He's bringing in the world in the sense of the system of iniquity that is against God. And notice he brings in the body. Lenski, the scholar, says nothing stronger was ever said about the tongue than this phrase. James paints as dark a picture as possible. The tongue his, embodies in itself the essence of all wickedness. Notice what it goes on to say. It corrupts the whole person. The entire person, your entire body, is corrupted and changed because of what this little tongue has done. 
Last week I was speaking at this big church, and I went out. I, I've always wanted, I hadn't had a blue blazer in years. I wanted to go to a blue blazer. So I ran out to one of those men's stores, and I bought this blue blazer. I'm wearing it today. So you guys are seeing my new blazer. And I got in it and looked at it and fit it. And, said, hey, and I got a new shirt, and this, I got the tie to match it. And, you know, you want to look nice, right? So I come here, you want to look nice. I was swimming last night with my kids, and my daughter said, Dad, you've got to cut your hair. It's embarrassing. It looks terrible. I said, go ahead, cut my hair if I need to look better. I want to look better, don't you? And we, we all do, right? But can I tell you, more than the clothes you wear, more than the style of your hair, you have shaped your life by your tongue. You are where you are by what you've said. It corrupts the whole person. Life itself is diminished, and the tongue is the culprit. It is the microcosm of evil among all of its members. And notice what it goes on to say. He just keeps building. Look at verse 6 again, friends. It sets the whole course of his life on fire. Now think of standing and watching all of your house burn down, all of your belongings. The only thing you've got left is what's on your back. Well, so it's, it's sort of like this. You're going to go through your life, and guess what? You're, you're going to have a trail left a marked trail of all either the damage or the good that you have done basically from the tongue. The words that you've spoken, there's a, a continuous lifelong trail. You are, you are building a person. You're building a life. It's a destiny is going forth by the words that come out of your mouth. That's how important it is that we would learn to control this. And get this, it, in, it, in itself it's set on fire by hell. Do you see that? Look closely at verse 6. We're not going to go any farther. Look at verse 6. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. There's the world, there's the flesh, and now here's the devil. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now listen carefully. The, passive, the present passive participle implies that the uncontrolled tongue is habitually set on fire by hell. The uncontrolled tongue permits, get this, the uncontrolled tongue permits itself to be used by its satanic evil. When, when James says, in studying this, and I want to assure you this is true, and is itself set on fire by hell, you know what he is saying? James is saying, I want you to know, Christians, because he writes, my brethren, all through this passage, Christians, you can actually not just speak from a corrupted heart, not just speak because you've got the value system of the world, but actually the, the, the desires of hell, the desires of the devil, the desires of the demons themselves can come up and be used through your mouth. It can. That's true. Yes, it can happen to you. You say, come on, Kim. We're a nice group of people. What are you trying to do? Really make us look bad? Hey, it happened to Peter. Was Peter a Christian? Jesus says, men are going to take me. They're going to nail me to the cross. They're going to crucify me. And Peter says, not so, Lord. May it never be. Not as long as I'm around over my dead body. You're not going to the cross. What did Jesus Christ say to Peter? He looked him right in the eye and he said, out behind me, Satan. Who was controlling Peter's tongue? The devil. Hell. Hell was saying, you don't want Jesus to go to the cross. Stop him. Anything. So if Peter could speak from hell, maybe it's going to help you understand when you've been at times so totally dismantled, so totally discouraged, so just like falling, you know that your emotions and your heart has been pierced as if a sword itself went in. You know why? 
because sometimes it's coming from a corrupt heart. Sometimes it's coming from the influence of the world. Both of those are hopeless. But sometimes people speak and it is the influence of hell that is coming out of their mouth. Imagine that. That is what can happen. Oh, friends, it is so important that we would be serious about this. And the psalmist cries out again and again that his tongue might be controlled. Now, this passage is... I just hate this three-service stuff and, and, and having to stop in the middle of messages. Well, I have to stop. I, can't, I couldn't go any farther, but I, I want to just going to have to just jump to the conclusion. But I want you to see verses 7 and 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 we'll cover tonight. But friends, there is hope. There is some hope, and I want to leave you with it. Now, here are some prayers that you can make for your tongue. I stand in the place, I say this with great honor and sincerely and fearfully. I stand in the stead of God to speak to you. That's what a pastor does. And I plead, I plead with you to make this prayer. Would you please, would you please make this prayer? Would you get alone somewhere on your knees? Would you go for a walk on our walking path? Would you go drive in a car if you have to? And would you say to Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Would you turn to him and would you say, search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts? Because see, housewives and moms, if you're filled with anxious thoughts, they're going to come spilling forth to your kids. And dads, if you're filled with worry and anti-biblical view of things, and sometimes how many kids are beating down their parents, you can sometimes remember what your parents have said to you, can't you, from the time you were young? And sometimes hell itself has been just, just damp, damning children and damning things with what you've said. You'll be sorry in your, when you're laying there in your casket. You'll be sorry. But you say, search me, O God. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is an offensive way in me. If it is, make my heart pure. This, this isn't a one-time prayer. This is an everyday prayer. Oh Lord, please come in. Please take control. Please make me pure on the inside. Because you see, from here, I don't ever want to, towards my kids, towards my spouse, towards my neighbors, towards workers, towards anybody. I don't want hell to speak from my mouth. I want you to speak from my mouth. So please come and do something. You could say, oh Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Oh Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil or to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat their delicacies. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. I said, I will watch my ways and I will keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. Um, some of you are going to go out for dinner now, won't you? Some of you are going to go home and you'll lay around with your family this afternoon and you'll speak words. Then you're going to get up tomorrow and you're going to have breakfast with somebody. And then you're going to see somebody in the morning and then you're going to have lunch with somebody. You'll see some of the evening, you'll have dinner with somebody. And, and, and I want to tell you, 
Could you ask God to come into your life and to help you so that you could say edifying words, so that you could encourage people, so that you could build them up? So instead of there being burnt down homes and, and destructions and people crushed and everybody hurts, that there would be people built up and people could go forward. Listen, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Both. Use those times. Have you ever just thought of, instead of complaining, I don't know what to do, I don't have a ministry, how about just call, pick up the phone and call somebody for the sole purpose of provoking them to love and good works? Are you going to change? Are you going to keep cursing? Telling dirty stories? Gossiping? Slandering? Or being silent when you know you should speak up for what's right? Well, I wish, I wish my desire for this church is that it would be people whose hearts are continually being renewed by the Spirit of God so that what comes from us to our spouses, to our kids, to our co-workers, I wish they say, I'd like to know something. What's different about you? You're kind. You're loving. I, I, I like being around this person. Not because, you, not because you flatter people. Not because you, you've learned some person, some, you know, how to win friends and influence people. But because from your heart, the Spirit of God has spoken to people. He that believes in me, there will be a spring of living water that will never end. That's what Christ said. Listen, friends, I, I'm begging you, don't give up, would you? But would you maybe get a little more aggressive and stop worrying about yourself and say, I'm going to use my tongue for good. I'm going to go forward. Hey, go out for dinner. You know what happened last night? I went out for dinner. I went to these people's house for dinner. And there was eight adults. And I, I was, this is, this is my standard operating procedure. I was weak and nervous and feeling like I didn't have much of a sermon. I'd studied hard, but I just didn't think I had it. And I said, as we were started talking about the things of the Lord, we had a great conversation. I said, hey, let's close this evening out of, among eight friends praying. And you know what we did? We Some sat down, others got on their faces, and we spent about the last 25 minutes together crying out to God for today's services, crying out to God that our lives would be different. I say, friends, it, 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 I know that God answers prayer, but just as much it was, it, it was even more than God answering prayer. It was to hear friends from this church pray for me and to say things to the Lord about me that, that, that propelled me on to want to go forward today. Fathers, fathers, do you realize that in your daughter's heart there is a, there is a space that only you can touch? And it's your responsibility to speak words of truth and godliness and love. Husbands, if some beautiful blonde had her car broke down and because she did some stupid thing on 465, you would say, oh, well, you know, that happens to everybody. Let me help you. But if your wife did it, you know, you idiot, what were you doing? What are you thinking? You know? And that is why, that is why I want you to know this message, it's a long-term message. Do you hear me? This message is a long-term message. The good man brings up good from the good stored in his heart. And the bad man brings out bad from the bad stored in his heart. 
And that is why you must constantly keep seeking the Lord. That is why we got to keep looking into the Word. And that is why we got to keep asking, Oh God, search me and know me. Oh God, oh, oh, oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. What a ministry. What a great thing. Pull back those covers. Get out of bed tomorrow morning. Say, I am going forward as a soldier of Jesus Christ. And I'm, hey, buddy, when I get done with you, you're going to be encouraged. You know, man, I, I can't, I, I can't tell you. you know, let's be those kind of people. Let's be those kind of people. Not flimsy, flattering things. You're so beautiful. Love your pearls. I just love, the, not that kind of stuff. Let's go after the real thing. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's it. We're done. We'll finish it tonight. Father in heaven. Hear our prayer, and we say it as simply as we can. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We cannot do this by ourselves. You've got to help us, and we cry out and say, please, Lord, help us. Let our our words do good. Let our words bring people to Christ. Let our words edify Christians. In the name of your Son, I pray. Amen. That concludes today's message from Kimber Kaufman. Thank you for tuning in today. And please join us again here at the Expository Word. Take care.